Changers series, and today I want to talk about changing the world with prayer. I love prayer. I just love, love, love prayer. It's so powerful, and yet it's hard, you know, it's, it's, have you ever thought like when you pray, it doesn't feel like you're doing much? You're not really, right? You know, it doesn't feel like productive time. You know, if you're one of those people that's kind of a doer, that's always like, get stuff done, and, and that it's kind of all on me kind of mentality, or, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, a lot of times when we think about changing the world, don't you kind of go, wow, it feels overwhelming, it's too big, what can I do, I'm so small, I'm insignificant, etc. The one thing that changes everything, more than anything, is prayer, and yet, it's like so easy to sort of trick ourselves out of that, to go, to have the first thing to go to is what can we do. And I get challenged by that myself because I'm kind of a doer person. Um, but I want you to take a look. We're going to look at, I love this verse in James chapter 5 and verse 13. This is about, I like to think of this, you know, you know my big fat Greek wedding? You know how Greek people, they were like the, guy, the dad was like Windex for everything. You have a sore, like a cut on your hand, Windex, you know, if you, whatever. It was like the cure-all for everything. He had this list and everything was like Windex is good for this, good, good for this. I think prayer is Windex. And this verse is, this whole section of scripture kind of is the, shows you that prayer is like Windex. Better than Windex, but. Uh, James chapter 5 and verse 13. It says, if anyone, um, is, is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. So that's part of the thing. When you think about the world and what you want to do, isn't it part of it what you think of as people suffering? That's, that is hard. It's hard if you're a caring person. You know, if you, don't, if you haven't taught yourself to deal with life by callousing your heart, then it's hard to see people suffer. The best thing that we can do when people are suffering is, guess what? Pray. Uh, and then it says in the next part, <laughs> I think this is funny, is anyone cheerful? Pray. <laughs> if you're sad, pray. If you're happy, pray. Let them sing songs, which is singing prayers. It's like happy prayers. Um, if is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and what? Let them pray over him. Because that's something, too. It's very, very hard. I know Debbie's really involved with um, a charity that, of children that have tumors. That's so agonizing. It's amazing that the work that she does there. But it's one of those things that it's hard to see people that don't deserve it sick or hurting in any way. And so one thing we can do is pray. And I'm going to... Uh, it says... And then in verse, uh, and then it says, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And in verse 15, it says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. A prayer with faith, with believing, can save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses. These are sins, shortcomings, etc. Um, to one another, and what? Pray for one another that you might be healed. 
it's a key for anything. Like, it's like whatever struggles we have as far as inside things, too. And that's some of the thing that's hard to see in other people or even hard to see in ourselves as far as the places that we fall short. And it says to pray and we will be healed. And then it says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's, it, and what this is is fervent. Fervent is like white hot. It's like prayer, white hot prayer, it says, it, it, it avails much, it's, it's powerful. It's, uh, and then it gives this great example in verse 17, it says, Elijah was a man <laughs> with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and, and the earth produced its fruit. So this is... <laughs> kind of funny. So Elijah, Elijah was a great prophet in the Old Testament that did all kinds of miracles, including this one where he prayed and it didn't rain. So it's saying he's just a regular guy. Now it's kind of hard if you know Elijah and have read the things about Elijah, go, he's just like you and me. And that's the truth. There was really nothing special about Elijah the prophet that did all these miracles, including praying so that it stopped raining. He was just like you and me. And what, did, what separated it was he was a person of faith who prayed. That's giving us an example of the power of prayer. So I know for, for me, because I am, you know, if you ever have a lot to do or a lot on your plate, it's hard to think about taking time for prayer. And it's come to, it's, there was a time in my life where I was so about doing, even in ministry, that I really didn't make the space for prayer. I thought even in ministry, I was thinking, oh, it's all about doing things and helping people and blah, 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 and God wasn't in it. Why prayer is such a big deal? Because if there was no God, prayer would be stupid, kind of. You know, kind of, well, yeah, I think it would be stupid, right? If there's no God, you know, of course, you know, it's just sort of like, okay, we're talking to an invisible being. That sounds pretty useless, right? Doesn't it? Like, <laughs> you know? What's really crazy about prayer is that on paper it makes zero sense that we would take time to talk to this being that we do not see, and yet prayer makes all kinds of crazy things happen. Prayer causes miracles like Elijah where it stopped raining. Prayers have been recorded over and over. I've seen it with my own eyes to heal people instantly, to raise the dead, etc. And it might be hard in thinking about in the world as far as when we see all of the hurt and everything because we know that God gave people free will. So we can pray and people can still do stupid, evil, horrible things. That's true. Because God does not overstep free will. So why does it help to pray when truly people can go out and do hurtful things. You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of situations in the Bible, but God can work and orchestrate things as much as possible to influence circumstances for people to have a change of heart. He did it in, in all kinds of situations where, um, you know, like where in, in, uh, in the Old Testament where People prayed and somebody would get, the, the person ruling would get a dream or something where, where God was speaking to that person to have them have a change of heart. God can do a lot in the circumstances even if people 
have free will to choose to influence situations and circumstances. And so there's all kinds of behind the scenes things that we can't see that God, that by prayer, it can help things. Uh, I wanna go to one that God, there, there are certain things that God tells us we, he wants us to pray for. And this one is in 1 Timothy chapter two and verse one. It says, therefore I exhort First of all, and you always want to look at that word when it says first of all. That means like really high up as a priority. First, right? First. It says first of all that all supplications, which is prayer, prayers, these are all different kinds of prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks, so all of those are different words for prayer, be made for all men. And the word men is really the word anthropos, which means people. It's just the translators translated it as men because... It, uh, back in the day, it represented all people. But, uh, but it really is the word that, that we pray for all, for all people. And then it says in, in verse 2, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So it's an important thing to pray for our leaders and our government, for the people that do have the power it, we want to pray for those people. For one, we want to pray that we have godly leaders, you know, and then number two, that pray that God would work within those people. And God was able to do that with many leaders and kings in the Old Testament that weren't believers and didn't believe in God, but yet people's prayers were able to influence that. So that's something God tells us to do. This is, we should be playing, praying for our government and for all of our leaders. It says, why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. That we can have that. And Susan was talking about, it is amazing in our country that we have the freedom that we do today, especially when you see the way that people are being persecuted in other nations and some of the unrest in other nations. And um, it's really heartbreaking as far as what's going on in Iraq and the Christians that are being slaughtered there. That's something we really need to pray for. Those are people that they're just getting killed because they love God, you know. It, it's, it's horrifying to think that that would happen where children are getting beheaded for no other reason but the fact that their uh, parents are Christians. Um, but prayer, that is one thing. If you're feeling powerless about that, which I can understand and relate to, uh, it's a reason for prayer. It says in verse 3, it says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And in verse 4 it says, Who desires, God desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So this is kind of a big deal here too. Is God's desire, God wants a relationship with everybody. You know, all over. There's no people God doesn't want a relationship with. God wants to be close. God is, is a God of all people. And it says he wants them to be saved. Saved is what we had talked about last week where you believe Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that you receive the gift, the free gift of Jesus giving his life. It says that in that moment that you do, confess that Jesus is Lord and believe God raised him from the dead, that you get saved, that you get Holy Spirit. The word is sozo in the Greek. It means wholeness. It's complete. And so he wants that for every single person. He wants that. And it says to come to a knowledge of the truth, which is an understanding of God, because that's where there's healing and wholeness. And so when we think about, we talked about last week, is that Jesus came to heal. 
Jesus came to heal broken hearts. He came to heal the sick. And we can't save the world. We are not built to be saviors. But what we can do is introduce people to the Savior, to Jesus. We can help people to come to know Him and come into a relationship with Him. It says, um, uh, let's go to Colossians in chapter 4 and verse 2. These are some other things on prayer and changing the world. It says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the Word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains. Okay, so it's kind of interesting. So what does that mean to pray for an open door? I want to kind of talk about that a little bit. It's saying, so the Apostle Paul is talking and encouraging people to pray for open doors to speak about Jesus. And so that's something, if you have friends that don't know who Jesus is, that's something that you can do. You can pray. You can pray and ask God for an open door. Part of this, again, is that an open door could be somebody maybe having an open heart to hear, you know, that might be, that maybe somebody that you thought, oh, they would never be interested or what have you. But you can pray that God would open a door for you to speak and share about Jesus. And sometimes it works where because God's working for every person, no matter who it is. If people that, that, that don't even know, let's say, that don't believe in a God, etc., God is fighting for every person to have a relationship. So you could be, you know, the thing is, is, is you know, when we're, you're praying for people, you're praying for God to be doing things maybe in that person's life to stir things up. Sometimes things like God knows their hearts, God's trying to speak. You know, sometimes it speaks like thoughts that maybe come into somebody's mind that are just like, or what have you, or circumstances, or things that they saw on TV. Sometimes it could be something they saw on TV, and somehow God's stirring somebody's heart in some way. You know, but you can pray that God would open doors um, to speak. Um, and then it says, on uh, the next part, in verse 4, it says, that I, Paul, may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So that's saying you can pray too. <laughs> He's saying pray that what I share is clear. Pray that what I share will make sense. You can pray for that. Have you ever thought about that? Like you're saying like, oh, I really I want to talk about my faith and I don't know, you know, like what to say. God can give you those words to speak too. God can give you revelation on how you know, on how you can be there. And that's what I do. Anytime I'm with somebody and I want to help and I want to minister, I, it's, it makes such a big difference to me when I'm not trying to do it on my own wisdom. You know, when I'm praying and saying, God, how can I be there? Because I don't know what's going on with that person. I don't know what their heart is. I don't know what their needs are or what's going on in their life. But I just pray and say, God, show me. How can I be there? How can I love this person? How can I be present? in a way that I can make a difference. And I ask God. It's so interesting because I see a difference in prayer when I'm asking God versus just my own wisdom. Because, you know, I've been in, in ministry for a while and I counsel people a lot. So I can kind of go on autopilot, you know, like, hey, I've got the answers. You got a problem? I've got the answer for that. I've been around, you know. And so somebody gives and I'm just like, bloop, there's the formula. You know, versus, like, that's on my own ability and my own knowledge and my you know, who I am, you know, I'm the, you know, you ever, it, it's just not a blessing to be around the Christian answer person, is it? Like, 
You ever been with people like that? Like, oh, I've got the answer for that. You know, it's just sort of, it's just not the greatest. But, you know, it's, I, I've done it and been very embarrassed about it. But, you know, but when I'm in the zone where I'm just saying, just praying and saying, God, show me how can I be there for this person? How can I help? How can I be present? God will show you because he loves you and he speaks to you and he wants to speak to you. And so you can just ask God. Say, I don't know what to say, God. Show me. Show me how I can share this with them. Okay, and then in verse 5 it says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, meaning people that don't know Jesus yet, redeeming the time. So it says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So this is, look at this, this is all in, in the context of trying to help other people. It says, redeeming the time, and sometimes when you're praying for an open door, look for it. Take advantage, you know, look, just jump on it, say something, redeeming the time. If you've got an opportunity to, to help somebody, go for it. Um, <clears throat> and then it says, your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. And seasoned with salt means speaking truthfully. Salt in the East, in the Eastern culture, represented that you would speak, that your words would be truthful. So if you're, so this is a combination of when we're sharing with somebody, that what you're speaking is grace. Grace means God loves you and is going to bless you. Even if you're the biggest screw-up in the universe, you don't got to earn it, that God just loves you right now. You know, that his favor, his divine favor is on you. So that's the message, too, it, when speaking to others that you see that for them. You know, this, one of my favorite uh, books is called What's So Amazing About Grace. And, he, and the Bible says that we are to that we are grace dispensers. You know, that we, our goal is to let people know that God is a God of grace. We're not exterminators of sin. You know, sometimes Christians walk around think that that's what the goal is. You know, ah, a sin. And you know how the, you know those little pesticide things, they had them in the cartoons where, you know, you pull them and it's like, you know. They're like um, Roadrunner and um, whatever, Wiley Coyote, right? And, and he would always get, like, pesticide, you know, you know, just like, it's, that's not our goal. Our goal is, is, you know, Christians in sharing who Jesus is, is not to go around cleaning up the world of sin, but to be dispensers of grace. That, so we're supposed to speak truthfully as well as with grace, that that's what it is, to show um, God's unconditional love. Um, let's go to Luke. You know... The other thing of why it's such a big deal to make prayer, prayer to me is my number one rock, my number one priority. You know, you think about the rocks and sand in life where you put the big rocks, the priorities in first and then add the sand. Prayer is like the number one rock for me because um, I've lived without spending a lot of time in prayer and in do-it-yourself mode. Jesus prayed probably more than any of us all. I, I, I'm sure he prayed more than anybody. And just, uh, not just because I'm guessing, but because the Bible talks about him praying all the time. In fact, these are just a couple of verses that tell you in Luke chapter 6, in verse 12, it said, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. You know, when's the last time you stayed up all night to pray? It's been a while for me. 
You know, could you imagine up all night to pray? What is that? Like, if you sleep eight hours, could you imagine? Like, all night. That's a lot of prayer. This is a busy guy. He had a lot to do. In the morning, he was about to have thousands of people come and try and bug him for stuff. Heal me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. You know, like nonstop. I don't think there's probably anybody busier. You think you got a lot to do. I think Jesus had a lot to do. What would that be like to 24-7, you got thousands of people asking you for stuff, and yet somehow he got it that it would be better off to not sleep and pray. He, he gave up a whole night's sleep here to pray so he could be there for thousands of people. You think, hey, i got to get my sleep. First thing in the morning, they're just going to come at me in droves and want to be healed until late at night, etc. You know, Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. He spent time knowing it, it, he was not expecting he was going to go it alone and do it by himself. He asked God for help all night long. That must be significant, right? All night long. <clears throat> Here's another one. It says in Luke 5 and verse 15, it says, However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear, because this was always going on, and, he, and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And verse 16, so, that's connecting it, because great multitudes came to be healed, so, that's what the word means, right? He himself often withdrew into the wilderness and what? Prayed. Where, there, there you have it. This is to keep himself energized. He got filled up by God. He spent the time to get restored by God over and over again. I want to just um, take you to a record in Acts that's very exciting. The book of Acts is the, is the record of the first church. People were on fire for God. Jesus had just been crucified. So that it, it's kind of crazy because... Right before this happened in the book of Acts, Jesus was crucified, and it was kind of a big deal, you know. Um, Pontius Pilate's like, who do you want, Barabbas, Jesus? And they're going, and, and imagine, like, the th crowds and crowds of people are saying, crucify Jesus and let the murderer Barabbas go. And so all these people that were following Jesus watched this, and they were, like, hiding out. Jesus died. And, uh, and everybody kind of got scattered, etc. But when he got up from the dead, on the day of Pentecost was the first time it was possible to get born again of Holy Spirit, for people to believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that people could get born again of Holy Spirit and become a child of God and have eternal life. It was the first time that happened in the book of Acts. So they went from being scared people that were running it says, for fear of the Jews, after Jesus was crucified, to having all this power and being bold and doing miracles. And so in this record, Peter and John, they're going into the temple where they, it said that they went every single day to share the message of Jesus, the good news of Jesus and what he had done. Every day they went into the temple to share with the people because that's where everybody hung out. It was kind of like the central area of Jerusalem. And so they pass by this guy that's 40 years old and could not walk since he was born. And the guy says to them, you know, he asks alms and, and they say, silver and gold have I not none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. 
The guy walks for the first time in his life at 40 years old. This is kind of a big miracle. He's leaping, praising God. Everybody knows it. They're staring. It's just wildfire. Everybody's talking about this very notable miracle because the guy that was 40 had sat by the temple gate asking for money every single day, asking for money. They knew him really well. Everybody did. So in the fact that he's walking, leaping, etc., Peter and John get thrown in jail for doing this because they were speaking in the name of Jesus. And so we see in Acts chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, And when they had set them in the midst, so this is after they were thrown in jail, they've got, oh, Annas and Caiaphas are questioning them. Annas and Caiaphas, remember those two guys? They're the guys that crucified Jesus. They're the guys that, that you know, were questioning him, had him beaten, etc., right before the crucifixion. These are scary dudes, and they are now talking to Peter and John. And it says in Acts 4 and verse 7, it says, And when uh, they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or what name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made met well, let it be known to you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, look at this, whom you crucified, they just killed Jesus. He's standing there going, I'll tell you who, what name, by Jesus who you crucified. That's some boldness whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you hold. Wow. This blows my mind because they're standing there being faced with, you know, whatever. They, I mean, they just crucified Jesus. They could probably do whatever they wanted with Peter and John in some ways, right? But they were so excited about the power of what Jesus did that by the name of Jesus, people were healed and set free that they just laid it on the line as far as that goes. It's amazing. You know, it's so interesting too sometimes today. I just love this boldness because sometimes people don't want to share about Jesus because they're afraid of what people will think of them. They're not even faced with somebody up in their face going, that could kill them, like what's happening in Iraq right now. You know, people face with maybe saving their children. It's just, I just love, I just love the boldness here. It says in Acts 4 and verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. This is what you call a Jesus makeover. You know, I want that to be the testimony of my life. How great would it be that people just recognize that they go, well, this person, they're, they're saying, hey, these guys don't have anything maybe on the, on the surface that looks so glamorous, Peter and John, but he's, they're saying, they're, um, they're saying that it was obvious that they had been with Jesus. 
You know, I, that's the big claim to fame, that people could tell that you have a relationship with Jesus by who you are, by the witness of your life. Um, it says, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Unschooled, regular guys. Okay, in verse 15 it says, but when they commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, what should we do to these men? For indeed, that was a notable miracle that had been done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. Well, we can't deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. Wow. And then it says in verse 20, for we cannot but speak the things with which we have seen and heard. It's not that they couldn't control themselves from speaking. It's that they were so excited about what Jesus had done and how their lives had changed. They were so on fire that they said, I, we can't shut up. We can't. We can't. This is like, I, I, my life has changed because of Jesus. I can't stop talking about it. You know, I feel that way. I do. Jesus changed my life radically. I don't think I'd be alive today. In fact, I'm pretty sure I would not be even physically alive today, let alone having an amazing life. Because Jesus said he came to have his life, give us life and have it more abundantly. And my life was transformed from, you know, like a, a, about as horrible of a nightmare as could possibly be into a life that's been full of joy, you know? Um, so no, I can't shut up about it either. You know, I, I can't, for me, there's just nothing more exciting than if, if I can help people to know who Jesus is, I want to do that. I really do. You know, it's, um, you know, if somebody has had a bad experience with Christianity or church, if I can get them even to, like, hate the idea of Jesus less, I'll, I want to help with that even, you know? You're like, yuck, horrible. I'm just like, okay, well. And uh, honestly, I'm pretty blessed if that's sometimes people go, well, I, I thought all of you Christians were hideous people. At least you're not all really horrible. Maybe it's not the worst religion in the world. Um, it says uh, in verse 21, It says, when they had uh, further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old, of whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders said to them. So they go back to their friends, Peter and John, and they're telling them what happened and how they got threatened. Don't speak in the name of Jesus, or you're going to go to jail and um, etc. And so what do they do? It says in verse 24, so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. The group says, said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. You know, I love this too. It helps me in prayers a lot of times to acknowledge 
that I'm praying to the, to the being that created everything in the world. It helps me to just get it. You ever, you know, sometimes when I'm asking and it, whatever it is that seems like it's too hard or too big or too impossible, you know, you ever pray for stuff, then you're just like, why bother? It's just too hard. It's not even possible. It helps me to connect with the fact that it's God who made all things. I, sometimes it even helps me. For me, I like to think about the ocean and the stuff that's in the water. You know, like if you've ever been to Monterey Bay Aquarium, you know, I just, the first time I went there and I went to that um, display, the outer bay, and you see the beautiful jellyfish, and then they have these little things that are like, look like floating skeletons of all kinds. They're little teeny things, and the lights are behind them. And I just, I actually fell to my knees and sobbed. Because I just got how big God was. And so often I forget. You know, I just, sometimes I think, I was raised with Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie. And they kind of, you know, very influenced in my brain, I think. But a lot of times I, I tend to think about God as just I dream of genie, you know. If, I know it's an old show, but there's like, it's a genie in a bottle kind of thing. She would like blink and make things happen. And sometimes they'd screw up and she had limited powers and sometimes stuff would work and it wouldn't work. Sometimes when I'm praying, I think like that's how God works. I'm not praying to a genie. Sometimes I gotta kind of remember that and think, no, no, no. When I think of the outer bay, and the things that God made, as far as the little creatures in the sea and these beautiful things, I'm like, that's who I'm praying to. You know how big the ocean is? And most of it we have not even seen or come close to seeing. That's how big the ocean is. With all of our technology, most of the ocean, we have no idea. There's many depths of the ocean that will, like we have nothing close to being able to even observe. That's how, you know, that's pretty crazy. You go to the moon, can't see the bottom of the ocean. You know, so it just gives you the, the, the vastness of what God is, even in what we do see and observe, the power of the creator of all life. Sometimes it helps to remind yourself when you're praying, that's who you're praying to. Helps the faith. So they start with that. And then it says in verse 29, it says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Wow, you know they didn't pray for safety? <laughs> You know, you think they're just like, hey, we just got threatened by, you know, Annas and Caiaphas, like really scary guys that crucified Jesus. Please, God, keep us safe. You think, I would think that, I would probably be praying for that. They're praying for boldness. They're praying, don't let us back down from speaking about you, Lord. That's exciting. I want to pray for that. What do you say? You want to pray for some boldness? It says, so they're praying for boldness. It says that they may speak your word. It says by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They're praying to God and saying, God, stretch your hand to heal that we could see signs and wonders. You can pray for that. You can pray for God to, to do that for people that you're wanting to be there through, and it says, done through the name of God's holy servant, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In verse 31, it says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with all boldness. Super exciting. Okay, so I want to encourage you 
in this World Changer series to think, we're going to be talking about things we can do through this series, because the series is about what can we do to change the world. You know, we're going to have a day of, uh, 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 we're going to be doing some servant things in the community and helping those around us and some other things. So we'll be doing the doing stuff. But I want you to really take time for prayer. In fact, on August 24th, while in the weekend that we're doing the dating workshop weekend, and we will not be at this location, we will be at the Los Gatos Lodge, we are going to have a time for all those that aren't going to the dating workshop, we're going to have a time of prayer on the 24th. In, in, it will be in place of our regular service. It will not be a regular service. It's just going to be a time for prayer. We're going to pray for the local needs here in our community, as well as some of the the, the things that are going on uh, around the world that need prayer. There's definitely a lot of those, and it'll just be like an hour, an hour and a half probably from 11 to 12.30 of a time of prayer during that weekend. But I want you to think about taking time for whatever it is, anything. What are the things you worry about? Are they friends? Are they people that are hurting in your life? Is it the world events, etc.? To worry less and pray more. To think about the idea of, I just, when I start feeling myself heavy, heavy hearted, I stop and drop. That's what you're supposed to do in a fire. I do it like when I feel heavy hearted, stop and drop to my knees and pray. It does wonders if you're feeling anxious in anything because of the things that seem like we're powerless. You're not powerless, you can pray. You have God Almighty that you can ask for intercession for help, for your friends, for the people you care about, for your family, for any of the things that you'd say, I'd like that to change. I see where there's help. I see people, just like we saw, if people are suffering, if people are hurt, if people are sick, stop and drop. Take some time out to pray. I'm going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we aren't powerless, God, that... Um, that you are always willing, you're always willing to help and to be there and to heal. God, that we can ask you for miracles. We can. We can grow in faith. I know sometimes we don't have that faith, but praying and praying, God, for the needs and cares of our life, help us to see that you aren't the God that's I dream of, Jeannie, that you are a God that created all of life, that you created all the things that we see in the ocean and the stars and the mountains and the sky and all of that and the sun, all of those things, God, that you are a mighty God and that there is a lot that you can do to help. Even though you did give people free will, God, there's so much you can do and, and we just need to pray. We need to pray and pray and pray, God. Have that be the number one, first of all, above all things that we do, God. Amen.